Welcome to WP Tonic Roundtable Podcast, where a panel of leading WordPress junkies discusses the latest WordPress and internet stories of the week. Now, on with the show with your moderator, Jonathan Denwood. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic Roundtable show. This is episode 566, uh, recording this on the 5th of February at 8.30 Pacific Standard Time. Got some, I think I've rustled up some good stories, listeners and viewers, and I've got a good panel. Um, before we go into the main stories, there's a couple of things I've got to do. Um, I first want to dedicate this podcast to the memory of Captain Sir Tom Moore, a great British patriot and a, a very average man, but in many ways a great man. Uh, um, I just want to dedicate this to his memory. I and read that about him going back and forth on his walker to to uh, uh, to to raise money. Like, what a man! Yeah, he raised um, almost thirty-three million pounds. Well, I think that's about forty-three million dollars for the National Health Service. He was just a great man. Um, and I want to talk about our sponsor. Our sponsor is Kinsta Hosting. Um, Kinsta is a specialised WordPress hosting provider. If you're looking for power for yourself or for your clients, i.e. you've got a WooCommerce site, a learning management system, a membership site, you need really good quality hosting. And that's what you get with Kinsta. You get all the bells and whistles, best, great support, great technology, um, I suggest that you go over to Kinsta, have a look at what they've got to offer, and also buy one of their packages, not only for yourself, but for your clients. If you do that, please tell them that you heard about them on the WP Tonic show. It helps Kinsta and it helps the show. Your support is much appreciated. So, panel, I'm going to let you introduce yourself first. Spencer, Spencer, would you like to introduce yourself? I, it's Spence from Lunch. Oh, I have a frog today from launchflows.com. There we go. I've got my friend, John. John, would you like to introduce yourself? John from lockdownseo.com. Got my friend, Sally. Sally, would you like to introduce yourself? <clears throat> I'm Sally Getch, the WP fangirl and organizer of the East Bay WordPress meetup. I've got my co-host for my interview show, Stephen. Stephen, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, Stephen Sauter from zipfish.io. I have the unicorn whisperer joining us. Heather, Heather, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm Heather Wild-Renzi. I am uh, the digital solutions lead at The Difference and author of Birth of a Unicorn. You're a little bit shallow in your sound, oh, sorry, Heather. Sorry, sorry. Uh, you need to push the mic. <laughs> yeah, I'm, sorry. I'm sorry. That's right. Um, Chew on the microphone. Yes. Uh, um, so let's start with story three. Uh, FSE and WordPress themes. What does a MVP look like? What do you reckon about this one, Sally? Uh, I reckon that Josefa got married and I haven't the faintest idea how to pronounce her new name. Uh, uh, apart from that, um, well, it is, you know, it is kind of a, a question, right? They've been playing with it for a while and, and no one seems really happy uh, with it. Uh, and... <clears throat> You know the the list of uh, milestones and kind of how we want to get to uh, full site editing seems reasonable, uh, but of course the process of of building out uh, Gutenberg as it has been uh, is uh, full of bumps. So it's kind of like, well, 
We'll see. The saga continues. What do you reckon, John? Yeah. Oh, let's go. Anyway, sorry, sorry. I was having a problem here. Um, the full site editing um, MVP, you know, they talked about this and um, a lot of people have doubts uh, about getting it out by July, as it mentions in the article, the, um, the features are, are a little bit behind uh, page builders that, are, that have already been built out. I think it would be like, a. eventually this is the goal. I mean, it's, that's undeniable. It's going to happen. Uh, but it's just a matter of how long it takes to get there and what steps are in between. But yeah, I mean, th this is the goal. Yes. I mean, they've already gotten to the point of, well, uh, you know, of launching it in a, you know, launching the original version of the block editor in a fairly incomplete stage and having people generally frustrated with it. And, you know, if it's not done, it's better to wait until it is more done uh, than to push it out there because people are just going to be very frustrated. Well, you reckon, Spencer, this just seems a, I'm, I'm getting a bit tired. It's a long, long and windy road, isn't it? Is it, ever go, is it going to ever end, Spencer? Is it ever going to end? I, first of all, I like any kind of, um, any kind of tavern or other article that gets juice or Yoast Van de Valk to come on out of his, his Jeffrey Epstein Island and make a comment uh, because you think that... Well, the, the, the quote's pretty good. You know, vision without execution is hallucination. Um, well, the, the, the reason I bring it up is that I don't have any bones to pick with him personally, but what I find is that, you know, Yoast and his plugins or his team's plugins are some of the worst offenders of infiltrating other people's business when it comes to what they do. For example, like how it handles 301 redirects and, you know, how it will do things to your, your post editor. So it's interesting to me if he's bothering to come on out and comment when he really doesn't need to be doing that, then there must be some significance. As far as my own take on it, I would say there are good times in WordPress that you should work on the airplane's engines while it's in the air, not when it comes to the core editor, because <laughs> you can't expect anybody to build anything if we don't know what the result is going to be of the foundation of the entire website. I mean, this is not just like a bolt on, you can optionally turn it on and off. This is like, I'm in classic and I'm trying desperately to use Gutenberg. And now Gutenberg's like, well, we're going to start MVPing stuff and throwing it around the screen. And then we get in that whole, you know, oh, to drag it to the left, I use the vertical bar thing because that's the symbol for that. And it's already been a mess. So I'm, I'm agreeing with what he's saying. It clearly has enough significance that he's coming out of his hole and exposing himself to comments and stuff. And I think that what we really need is somebody to get in there and assign four, five, six people as a real team that are, this is the Gutenberg team and this is a project just like Elementor or Beaver Builder or Brizzy or anything else. That must be nice. It must be nice that uh, um, the Tavern wants your comments on like... <laughs> right. I like mine, Spencer. A, they, don't, they don't seem to want my comments. You, you need Spencer. a pseudonym now, and you Do need I? a profile that you create so you can be, you know, Charlie. There's a few. I think there's a few people in automatic that wants to give me more than a pseudonym. Uh, but there we go. 
um, Stephen, um, what what do you think of this? Yeah, I mean, uh, what does the MVP look like? I mean, that that is the million dollar question. Like, this is a hard thing to do an MVP on because it kind of has to be right the first time you you go for it. Like, you can't have a half baked thing when you're when you're changing the very infrastructure that a WordPress site is built off of. And so, to say this is an MVP and expect people to switch over to it is like kind of a hard thing to do which is why they say like at the very end is i think like their their uh milestone seven is gradual adoption i mean that that's the key to be able to make this mvp work um something interesting i thought too is that of the actual six milestones they're talking about in this article number one through four are like pretty much all ui based stuff like how does this look how does this feel what is the style um and that, because that's really the crux of the issue. Like when you take something that people know and love and are used to, even if it's not the best thing in the world, knowing where to click the button is a thousand times better than having to hunt and search for the button. So I was really pleased to see that like all these milestones early on and the bulk of them um, are all about the styling and UI and how that works. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see as they pull this together, what that looks like. It's it's a hard task. I feel for anybody that's on that team and it's like uh, is in the weeds there. But okay, what do you reckon, Heather? Got any thoughts about this before we go on to the next story? Um, as somebody that is a developer, uh, I'm really excited that I'll be able to like hack the themes easier. That's that's my take. I mean, yeah, most... I mean, I think where it's going to take us is good. It, 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 it. Yeah, for most people, it's it's a non-issue, but the, this is this is going to be personally like I'm looking forward to it. Do you think, do you think Heather, it's really going to happen this year? Not necessarily. I mean, like I mean, always take the estimate and multiply it by at least two and a half, uh, <laughs> because most developers have no idea how long things take. But not just developers. Like Apparently, nobody has any idea how long things take, and this is why you know. Uh, 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 that you know the the mir real miracle of of the Bible is that the temple was was completed under budget and on time. Um, it's gonna be go. the miracle of lights. The miracle. Good of see, it was good management. See, Sally. Right. Uh, um, so the <laughs> well, I, I believe it required divine intervention. Is well, good, good management. <laughs> see, uh, um, there we go. Uh, um, on story two. Oh God, yeah, Mr. Bezos, Mr. Bezos, Amazon, from bookstore to uh, backbone of the internet. Yeah, that's one way of putting it. Oh, he's um, also, I thought um, it was a key time um, to talk about Amazon because this week he has resigned as CEO of his beloved Amazon. So, Heather, what, what do you think of Mr. Bezos' decision to... Um, resign from his CEO position and Amazon it's a good time to look at Amazon isn't it Heather? Yeah well I mean he's been with Amazon like let's put this in context he's been the CEO of Amazon for almost 30 years like can you imagine being at a company with that as leading that company for the high stress that that takes and especially like a public profile company like starting from the founder like trying like the stress of like building a company then like after it's become public like having all of those eyes on you and having to make sure that you hit the shareholder statements like that is like high stress position for 30 years dude 
deserves to step down. (laughs) Yes, it it is convenient, uh, however, that he's stepping down sort of just at about the time when the CEO of Amazon, whoever it may be, is is going to, you know, need to uh, have some conversations with the legislature. No, Uh, but I mean, he's he's still like, just because he is stepping down from Amazon doesn't mean that he isn't going to still like be in front of Congress and be in front of like answer to all of these things. Like, I mean, I, I think that's going to free him up to do all of that. Uh, every, t- every time I look at him, I just think Dr. Evil. Sorry. I just expect the white cat and the, well, the, you know, the, the, <laughs> the picture in the verge of him sort of striding out in the sunglasses is, is such a trope. Of, of like, you know, movie kinds of, of things. But yeah, I mean, you know, I started buying books on Amazon. It must have been 95 or 96. Um, and, it, you know, it was odd enough when there was like a transition from being a bookstore to being a everything store. <laughs> uh, you know, there has been a there has been a long evolution and 30 years is a heck of a long time to stay in the same job. Uh, and uh, you know what one may like or or dislike Jeff Bezos you know based on what you've uh, uh, what you've read about him but it's not that surprising especially if he's uh, going to be putting his energy into the space project yeah, yeah. yeah. all right what do you reckon um Stephen what do you reckon what do you reckon about Mr. B. Bezos? And, yeah. uh, the, the article just kind of like goes through and summarizes like how Amazon started and where it got to where it is now um, and I, it's an interesting story. Jeff Bezos is a smart guy, and I think like he's done some amazing things, or his company has for like the cloud and pushing um, servers into the cloud and making it like a manageable and deployable structures that work. Um, and it's interesting because that's really where all the revenue is being generated. Like it's not unlike a lot of companies that start in one direction, and sure they keep like their little side hustle going, but like. Their, their e-commerce portal is not, we, we, we always get like stuck in that and forget to look at the cloud computing engine yeah. that Amazon has and what a massive revenue generator that is for them. Um, I mean, you look at like what Walmart's doing from a revenue thing versus what Amazon's doing from a revenue from their e-commerce stores or their commerce stores, um, brick and mortar versus your e-commerce and Walmart's just eating Amazon for lunch right now. If you would look at profit margins, if you look at total revenue, like they're killing it. But Amazon has been able to build all these other really cool businesses because they were in e-commerce and they had to solve these problems for themselves. And so they've positioned themselves in a really cool place by solving these complex issues and then selling that solution to other people. So I can go and sign up for. Well, right. Like a, the recommendation a, engine and the logistics and the, it, you know, they, they, they had to learn how to do a whole bunch of things that are, uh, you know, more profitable than the store. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. the store is kind of the loss. The store was the catalyst for them to figure out all this other stuff that actually makes the money, which I think is an interesting kind of thing that as business owners, you can look at and say, like, they pivoted, sure, but they kind of kept this core, we're an online e-commerce store, central, and they use that to split off all of these other huge revenue generating, huge profitable kind of sectors of their business. Um, which I think is like a real smart. And they um, they did go through a very sticky period, like uh, for about five six years. They were not the darling of a lot of stock pickers. Now a lot of people 
were consistently attacking Amazon, i.e. a company. When was it ever going to make any decent profits? Uh, well, gonna... yes, it was a long time before it was profitable, but, uh, you know, uh, uh, they had the persistence. To... Yeah. So what do you reckon, Spencer? Um, Miss Dr. Evil. No, not really. I would say the world only has a few, let's say, caricature billionaires that we all know. It, this article reminds me of how much I kind of wish Steve Jobs had not died because it would be a really interesting story. If you imagine now Steve Jobs, healthy and at his prime, competing against Jeff Bezos, because we know with Microsoft, Bill Gates gratefully just backed away and then, you know, Paul ran it the way he ran it and so forth, but or, um, his successor. But the point is that Microsoft backed away. If Apple had Steve Jobs at the helm, they wouldn't be doing what they're doing today, which was, I, I would say, arguably missing on every account. I mean, they were basically a hardware company and a sort of services company. But when you compare something like Siri to Alexa, or you consider all the ways like with the online cloud services, that Amazon is doing it right and Apple is really just not doing anything at all, it kind of makes me long for how cool it would be. Because where you do see competition is, let's say, between Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos in the space, you could see that that's really heating up to be kind of cool. And then we're going to have things like air taxis, you know, these little electric air taxis. Uh, yes, although you should keep in mind that, you know, uh, uh, <clears throat> Bill Gates and Steve Jobs were basically the same age. And so... You know, and Elon Musk and, and Jeff Bezos are younger. Uh, uh, not by much, though. I mean, they're maybe five, eight years younger. I'd have to look it up. But like, you know, Steve Ballmer. Oh, I can was, tell you they make a big difference. Steve Ballmer didn't have the thing to, to take it in the direction like Bezos did with regard to new and innovative stuff. And, and he stepped back. The new CEO does a good job. But Microsoft is kind of in the Oracle world where fine, it's, you know, software and that sort of stuff. But in this space, what's interesting is if you read this, like literally, and think about it, as Heather said, 30 years, and with the exception of being beleaguered by these gotta have it yesterday stock investors, where's my money? This guy stood his course from his little storefront, little office cubicle into uh, the richest guy in the world with a company that is in everything, everywhere. It's hard to find anything that he's done that's a, a flop with a few hardware exceptions. And so it's not even that he's stepping down. He's got all the money in the world. He's got his girlfriend, Lauren Sanchez. He apparently had a very successful divorce and his wife has become the world, ex-wife is the greatest philanthropist ever. Kudos to her. Um, I think we can beat him up, but I would say to sort of look at it like, shit, I mean, he really makes life interesting for a lot of us in an everyday sense. And I hope this leads to more cool stuff. I mean, really. So, John, you know, um, Mr. Mars, um, union buster, um, um, doesn't really want to pay his drivers their um, tips. There, there always seems to be the good side of Mr. Um, Bezo, but there, there seems to be a pretty mean, a kind of meanness about him and the way his operation runs, doesn't it? Kind of almost isn't petty. this kind of common among billionaires? I don't yeah. know. But it's you a, you it's get a, rich it's, by yeah. demanding free labor from everyone else. Well, it's a yes. kind of petty, petty meanness, isn't it, John? Isn't it? 
Well, you can't, uh, you know, there's a couple things here for one, for one, I was not. And, aware I, and that... number one, does, does John know what you mean by, by mean, Jonathan, because it, it's a different word in British and American. I've been using it for the past 15 years in this blessed continent. So uh, <laughs> but, but maybe, yeah. maybe that's where I've been going wrong. All right, there we go. Uh, yes, but, yes. I mean, to, to Americans, mean means unkind. And to Brits, mean means stingy. Well, I kind of see it in both, really, a little bit. You know. Well, stinginess is not exactly kind. Um, <laughs> it's not a, not a virtue. Yeah, he's, he's, he's like the modern-day Scrooge. Um, but I did not realize that Jeff Bezos had been a hedge fund manager before he quit. At, at, when he was out. like a baby. Yeah, so, so <laughs> it wasn't like he came up off the streets. You know what I mean? No, no, he, he, had, came, he had money. Was, so I want to highlight this for like people who are, you know, worship or admire like billionaires. You know, they or there's always something like Elon Musk's parents had a diamond or a, not a diamond mine, but an emerald mine in South Africa during apartheid. So, you know, there's all these different things that are in the background. Um, I would want to know, like, why are the billionaires so focused on leaving Earth and going to Mars? What do they know that we do not know? Because now it seems like a race to see who can get to Mars and uh, re reinvent indentured servitude if you want to be part of their colony. <laughs> So, um, well, they want to get they want to get they want to get away from those Rothschild lasers that are setting the I, fires off. Don't they? I'm with John on this because we could have a whole show about alternative what's really going on in the available technology and other. I mean, because there is a fascinating why was it that we went to the moon and then stopped and then there's like 45 years later we're like everybody's got to get there. They yesterday. never went. It was a conspiracy, didn't you know? Whatever you want to say, it's fascinating. Like. What about all the billions that were spent on everything else in the meantime? Like, why all of a sudden this imperative that we're racing out there? Which is good, but it, fascinating. We should have a whole show on that. Oh, well, there we go. All right. I think we're going to go for our break. Uh, um, we'll be back in a few minutes with some other great stories. See you soon, distance of viewers. Launch Flows turns your WooCommerce website into a selling machine. We make it easy to create gorgeous sales funnels, no friction checkouts, order bumps, upsells, downsells, and much more. Gain full control over your buyer's journey from the top of your WooCommerce sales funnel all the way to the bottom. Best of all, you can use your favorite page builder, such as Elementor, Divi, Beaver Builder, Gutenberg, or one of the high-converting templates we've included inside. Get rid of the clunky WooCommerce shop pages and checkout process in favor of an optimized buyer flow that instantly increases conversions and makes you more money. LaunchFlows provides one-click order bumps that increase the total value of every sale with a 10 to 30% conversion rate. This is perfect for anyone offering complimentary products, training, or extended warranties. With unlimited upsells and downsells, your buyer's journey doesn't need to end at the checkout. Instead, we make it easy to display a series of additional offers as part of the original transaction. This is perfect for one-time offers, related products, mastermind class offers, high-ticket software sales, or subscription supplements. Not an expert? Don't worry. We've got the training and the consultation you need. WP Launchify will teach you how to get the most out of launch flows with personal consultation on WordPress, WooCommerce, marketing automation, and much more. 
If you want to earn more money with your WooCommerce online business, you owe it to yourself to try LaunchFlows today. We're coming back. We've had a good a good discussion, I think. The panel seems pretty um, juvenated, getting ready for their weekend. Um, well, before we go on to the next stories, I want to tell you about a webinar me and Spencer are doing on Friday the 12th of February at 10.30. Um, you want to join us live, you'll be able to ask me and Spencer questions. We're going to be talking about how do you use automation Marketing Automation with Lifter LMS and LearnDash. How do you put your membership website on steroids by using the power of marketing automation? I'm really looking forward to this. I think it's going to be a great webinar. I know me and Spencer are pumped for it, or Spencer is. And um, you need to join us. How do you do that? Just go to the WP Tonic website. There's a button on the top menu that says webinar. Click it. You can sign up really quick. And then you'll be told uh, with a link how to join the live webinar and be able to ask some questions. It should be a blast. So please join us on the 12th of February. On to the next the next story. Um, block manager redesign coming soon. As soon as I read this, I thought of Spencer. I just go, <laughs> still trying to find the right button. Uh, well, yes, I mean, you know, uh, the, the response <laughs> to the headline was, it's about damn time. Um, he's, still, he's still getting old and one second trying to find his freaking button. Uh, what do you reckon, Spencer? I just thought of you straight away with a. You know, this. The, <laughs> I, I do try now. I mean, I, as I said, even with launch flows, I made it so it's compatible with Gutenberg because I do see the potential. But it, it's, again, similar to, let's say, some of the cool new apps those those little kids are using where you need to know the magical three-finger swipe to the left 12 degrees, move it up to the right and down. And it's, or we could have had a skeuomorphic button. Like, <laughs> I still find trouble with why is Gutenberg constantly evolving when we really know what it should look like as far as the UI. Wouldn't it be cool if we MVP'd a, let's copy what Elementor does and just get it running and then somebody can work on the UI over time or something. Because right now, the notion that it's so hard to figure this out is, is baffling. In the meantime, when I do have a client or somebody who starts out and I go, oh, let's let's create a new page here. And I go, boom, we hit the raw Gutenberg. I, I a thousand tries and I still blank out. Like, why is the permalink thing buried six menus in and you have to be on the right tab? And wh why is it that they couldn't have just done something basic and obvious? And nobody can give an answer here. I mean. Well, it's crickets, isn't it? And if you do, you know, I'm just, just tired. Because. I'm tired of this freaking story. It's like war and peace, this bloody thing. It should have been all done up, done and finished ago, far as I'm concerned, about 18 months ago. If you, you, know, you made a car today, you might change the steering wheel like the new Tesla so it's like an, a, a control yoke of an airplane, but it still turns, right? If you made a new car today and you had to steer it by, you know, like pumping ski poles up and down, people would think you're out of your freaking mind on every level but yet that well, seems boom. like what's going on here like why can't we just adapt and, and there was a day when that was more or less how you steered cars i, I mean i would have hated to drive some of those right. you know, like a little how about like horse and buggy you got to pull the reins to steer i, feel a bit, I, feel I would a do bit, better with the horse and buggy i used to ride um i feel a bit guilty here it's like kicking a 
ill dog, isn't it? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, you do kind of wonder, given that there are, you know, there there are examples of how uh, this kind of setup works, and that tiny narrow you can't resize it uh you know sidebar where all, all the stuff is is very frustrating yep got a 27 inch screen in 4k and that sidebar is still like this wide yeah. um, Stephen, why is this dog staggering on you know will it ever end Stephen? or you know have i just been mean Am I at the core of me? Am I a terrible, uh, I am I a a terrible joint host, Stephen? Am, am I a terrible, unreasonable person? I, the, the reason why they can't copy something like Elementor and stuff is because they can't be as opinionated as Elementor. Elementor is a very opinionated system that has a methodology. If you want to add your own custom stuff to it, you have to do it the way that they want you to do it. And if you don't, there is hell to pay for it. WordPress, unfortunately, does not have that luxury. And needs to be able to try to please and make everybody happy and make it backwards compatible and make it so that it can run PHP 5 and 7 and now pretty soon 8. And like, that's just, that is hard, hard stuff to work around. So I don't think this story is ever going to die soon because it's something that is just very difficult and it would take hundreds of developers, hundreds of years to, I think, get it right. So do you think that, oh, so... Oh, always being in, like, this is an okay standpoint, but, like, it's not great, and it's not terrible, and that's, you know, where we're going to look. So do you think they just underestimated how hard all this was going to be? No, I think they totally, I, I think they know how hard it is. I think they know they needed to do they something. They know now. <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think they knew they needed to do I think they knew they needed to do something. I think they knew it was going to be hard, which is why they've completely changed going to a React sort of methodology versus a PHP. Like they knew what they were going to do was going to be radical. So you might as well be radical about it. Um, It's not a lack of knowledge. It's a lack of doing anything on WordPress from a core standpoint is hard, especially if it's messing with old features. If you're adding new features like the API, like they did several years ago, like that's one thing. But when you are going back and you are messing with core functionality and how everything works, that is not a easy thing. So John, so, you know, when Malton was a regular on our panel, he said this was the big, this was the big debate, really. Should I have done what Moulton suggested and some other people took the opportunity to say, this is new WordPress, this is 2.0. You know, if you want to keep the old going, we will keep it going for so many years. But this is a totally fresh start on fresh technology. And we're not, you know, you're going to... if you know, and took the opportunity from top to bottom to modernise the fin rather than trying to keep this old dog going. What do you reckon, John? I mean, I, in my opinion, it would have been much quicker to, to just rebuild it from the beginning if, if the idea was to create a product that would compete with Weebly and Wix and Squarespace, which is obviously what they want to do, and that's where the, the VC money is is really going that's the play but i think part of the problem is is they were there we're still trying to leverage this goodwill from the community and the five from the future and all this volunteer work and also leverage plugins that are in the repo i know that's offered on one of the packages on wordpress.com not like uh all of them but 
you know, not every single plugin, but I think they were trying to leverage these different things and shoehorn it into uh, a product. Yeah, it probably would have been easier to to launch a WordPress 2.0. We'd probably already have a finished product, but the the problem is is they were. I think that they thought it was advantageous to still use the goodwill from the community because it's built up for this existing software, and there's this worldwide community built around it. And I think that was the 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 kind of the gambit. That they took i think also course. also if you like look at other products like magento when magento went from magento one to magento v2 like they lost tons of users because you can't just switch over from one system to another angular they, they would have they would have had to make a good migration path um, right, but it's hard like like that takes tons of time in itself so like uh angular angular one to angular two they lost tons of user base because of that like they, there wasn't a seamless way to go from one to the next and you had to redevelop a lot of stuff. And I think if WordPress would have chosen the route to do like WordPress one, WordPress two, like it would have been at the end of the day, the death of yeah. WordPress. Like you have to keep people on the same platform, but that's why we're in the, it's, it's painful regardless of how, you, of how you're going to like slice it up. That's why I'm not envious of anybody on any of those teams. So Heather, when is backward compatibility become a, a real problem rather than something to be praised when when do you when does it become such a problem that you're better off saying we can't just keep on supporting stuff forever as a de, like as a cto the decisions that i make for backwards compatibility like i only ever care about two versions back and, and I think that like Apple, like kind of makes the same decision. It's like, if, if, if you're still using some, like an iPhone uh, eight, then you're screwed. Like, we don't really care anymore. Um, and, and that, that's fine. Like you make the decision, uh, like for something like uh, Google Chrome, um, if, if you're using more than like, I don't know what they're on right now, like 28 or 32 or something. <laughs> like, I mean, if you're using Chrome 20, if you're using Chrome 20, you're out of luck. Um, so yeah, I mean, like two major versions back um, or about um, like, I mean, like Microsoft goes overboard, for example, like they, they care about things that are like 15 years old. Um, like, but they yes, have, well, there's a bunch of things that haven't changed in 15 years. No, but, I mean, but they also have the money to uh, like support that. So, I mean, it, it scales up with, with how big your team is. So, but yeah, I mean, like two major point versions back, I mean, not point version, two major non-point versions back of your software is what you should be supporting. But do, do you know, you've got no insight, but you, you've got experience you know, with Evernote and consultancy. Um, and everything else you do, do you think? In your, do you sense that this idea of backward compatibility, to the extent that WordPress and Automatic decided, has become a real hurdle to them? Yeah, and also that they support. So somebody came to me the other day and was like, uh, "Your what? Why isn't your software compatible on uh, Microsoft Edge on Mac?" And I'm like, uh, 
you know, have you ever checked like a Google Analytics feed? Like that browser is in other, like the other category. It's below Safari, which is the least used Mac browser. Like it's below like people using uh, Opera. Like Opera even shows up in Google Analytics. Microsoft Edge is in the other category, which is like 0.01%. Like you can't support things that are that small. So um, yeah, like it's that that's I, I think that by trying to be able to support everything and everything that people are are writing in about, that's where they're running into trouble. They need to just say we're supporting the top three uh browsers on the top uh like five most compatible like we will support WordPress on uh Chromos, on uh like Android uh phones on iOS mobile devices on uh, the, on Windows devices and on um, uh, Mac devices and that's it. Like, so top three browsers on each of those things and done. Yeah, well, thanks, yeah, I think right? Heather brings out an interesting point that like where, where WordPress went wrong was 10 years ago. Like when they developed this, I, this idea of supporting things way back, when they added yeah. jQuery migrate, when like like this like this is where like I think the pain that we're seeing now happened was because there was decisions that were made a long time ago that has has what feels like very little to do with what's going on now, but it actually has everything to do because they set this precedent that they were going to support stuff and now they're trying to live up to that precedent. But they can change it. Like that's the right. thing. Like they're, I, I they're mean, allowed you know, to change it. The thing that yeah. got the biggest applause at at the last um, uh, state of the word I watched was was when Matt said that you know we were finally going to stop supporting php5 and you know that like he seemed really surprised at the enthusiasm in the response to that but it's like hey you know the developers know that that's been holding them back having to be compatible with with you know old versions of php that don't have the capabilities that the newer ones do well, I'll kind of link it to his fantasy that somehow Jetpack is a driver of growth. I kind of link it all together. This, and, and, and he was surprised. You know, to me, it's all a sign of a top management that's really quite out of touch with with the realities. Um, that's you know, that's what it suggests to me. But I might be totally wrong. There we go. On to the next story. Well, there's always a next story, isn't it? Um, SAS churn and short-term customers. Um, Contranian view, and it's from, um, yes. So, Stephen, a good article, typical of Mr. Fisher. He kind of writes a little bit long. I think, um, I think Spencer gets a bit bored with his writing style, doesn't he? But... Um, but I think he had. A, I think he, he do. You, so, Stephen, do you think there are a lot of startups in the, in the startup world? It, it's a churn rate and keeping it low kind of introduces mythologies that, in the medium to long term, won't benefit the company. What do you reckon, Stephen? Um, it's it's just one of those things that like it depends on the company. Some companies build in super high churn rates. Other companies exist to have very low churn rates. And to make like one blanket statement, like here's churn rates and here's what's going wrong. Now, like it depends on what who you are, where you're doing, and what's your cost per user. If you can buy, if you can pay a dollar for a user, 
and make a dollar fifty from the user within a month. Who cares what the churn rate is? Like, let's yeah. churn through as much as possible, as fast as possible, and then launch the next product or something. Like, like it, it the, the methodology that you approach it with it has so much to do with like your business use case. Um, that I think it, it's a good article and it's interesting, but like you have to analyze it by what your goal is and what your business's purpose is. So, what did you reckon, Heather, about this article? Yeah, I mean, I I agree. You you need to. Um, so, when you're starting up a, a SaaS business, um, you you need to focus on like what your ultimate goal is going to be. Like, how are you going to make money in the long term? But those short term customers are the ones that keep the lights on for for you to like initiate like to get that business to that long term goal. So like. The people that give you your money now are are very very important, and the people that give you the money like soon are are also very important. But you also have to focus on like how am I going to get the money recurring forever? <laughs> and and if you can get money in the door now that isn't going to cost you too much effort, then take that money while you're still focusing on the, like, I need money over and over and over again, that's not going to go away. And because once you get that, like, you can like get that ding, like that bell dinging every month, then you are going to skyrocket. And that, I mean, that's how you get that, that growth, that hockey stick growth that you need as a SaaS company. Like if you, if you get enough people that are just letting you charge them like every month or every year, um, forever, (laughs) <laughs> then you win. <laughs> so the, those onesies and twosies that you get in the beginning will keep your lights on long enough to get hopefully the uh, thousands and millions of people in the end. I, I do to, think you can oh, generalize the customer service point about how, you know, as a customer, you appreciate it being, you know, easy to leave when you need to leave. And uh, also as somebody, you know, thinking about trying something, if it's a low risk to try that, you know, that makes it easier. People have been said that's been a kind of a sales point for about a billion years. Right. Um, so, <clears throat> uh, but well, I, I mean, th- this is sorry, Sally, but this is why like AppSumo is so great. Because like you're getting those like lifetime deals right away for, for companies which are creating that vanity metric. Um, for companies uh, so that they can then get investment um, off the bat and they can be like, hey, look, there's all these people that are becoming a proxy for our lifetime growth. Like, I mean, like all of these people are saying that they would be um, customers forever. And that becomes a proxy for our, uh, like, eventually, like we can say month after month, these people would stay. And, And then people will then invest in them and then they can prove that that gives them the runway to prove the growth. Well, well, Spencer, what do you think of Mr. Fishkin's latest piece? Sorry, Sally, I didn't mean to talk about it. Oh, hey, no problem. Well, what I found in the last, well, I mean, I've been doing subscription stuff my whole life, but in the last 15 years of online is that the way that humans act is, is known to marketers, but it's not the thing that people want to admit is true. Uh, and it's very similar to what happens in dating and relationships. There's endless amounts of TV and book drama about 
why people choose to be in relationships with people they shouldn't be with. It's not the logical thing. It's not the objectively fair thing. It's the heart and the mind are different. Well, marketing works exactly the same way. If, if you follow his suggestions here, which are objectively plausible, it doesn't work out that way in real life. For example, if somebody has a SaaS service, well, I do take what Heather says as being factual. You need to hustle to the, the demonstrable level of recurring revenue of clients. If you were to send all of your early adopter clients these cute little, hey, we're different and I just wanna let you know that you've been paying me $22 a month since 1996, everybody would leave. If you don't tell them that, they stay forever. And you know what happens? After a certain amount of time, when the people do wake up and look at their PayPal and realize they've sent you $40,000 without ever using your service, they're so guilt-ridden about their own stupidity that they just go away and maybe they'll turn it off, but they don't ask you or complain about it. In the same way, like if you dated somebody that was horrible for you forever, you might have gotten some satisfaction, but you don't go telling all your friends like, oh, I've been dating so-and-so on the, on the, you know, on the secret. So in that way, I think he's misunderstanding. The part about lifetime value is another argument that I've had on this show. Um, lifetime value deals to me are the bane of the internet software world because other than maybe Vito's argument that it's a great way one time to come out the gate and get attention, you are paying a lifetime of pain as the provider for those people. And I don't know if Heather meant that, so I don't want to put words in your mouth, but like, I don't think that if you had a thousand lifetime buyers at $59 for life, that that's a good model to go to VCs with. If, and forgive me if that's not what you said, but to say, look, we've got 10,000 people that paid us $59 for life. So that means everyone else will pay us $59 a month. I think it's the opposite. And so what I've always taken is the approach of tell people what they need to know but not what you don't need them to know because it's their responsibility to check into it and it's easier to beg forgiveness than to ask permission. And if your company does, as most of us want, uh, a recurring revenue, just be clear about it up front, but don't, especially in America where there's no law, don't plaster your checkout sales funnel process with all these warnings and don't keep reminding people every month that you're taking their money. And that's what, by the way, that's what the health club industry has done since forever. They have 12 times more people subscribe to an average real world health club than could ever fit into the club. They don't tell you every month that you're at Bally's Health Club and you haven't been there since 1977. And the reason they do that is because they know that that's the business. And so- Well, yeah. so Spencer, the, the key to the lifetime value thing is the lifetime deals is you're supposed to come up with a lifetime deal that's about the price of a three month subscription. Um, like, and if you, if you get that price, right, then what you can do to go to a VC is you show them like, I got all of these people to pay upfront the three, three month price for my subscription. And what, what the thing is, is if you can get people subscribed for three months to your app, the likelihood that they'll remember that they've subscribed to it is so low that people will just keep paying for it forever. I, I, I will take what you said and I'll give you a real world example. So, and I don't think he would be upset if I discussed this. I spoke with Jack about WP Fusion's lifetime deal because there was a number of people who absolutely wanted it. Now I've had other past businesses, lifetime deals and I considered whether for launch flows but launch flows is too early to even think about it. So 
what he did after his own decisions, of course, but we discussed it was there were so many people who said they wanted it. He made it like a relationship choice. Why do certain people knowing better get married a second time or a third time or a fourth time, even though the proposition to them is clearly going to be expensive if it doesn't work out because they're romantic. Well, he said to certain people that if you bought the regular deal, let's say it's $247 a year. He said, if you want to get the lifetime deal on this, you can get the lifetime access to the automatic downloads, but you're buying only three years of personal support. But I'm not going to charge you three times 247. I'm going to charge you five times that. And so the lifetime deal is demonstrably saying, you so desperately want to prove that you need this deal, that you're going to pay a premium and therefore, I'm only going to be married to you for three years. And, you know, you can go through my garbage and look at pictures of me with my new life after three years. But that's fine because that's no problem for me. That I agree with you would be a really interesting thing to say. Look how much people love my product. But it still doesn't. I mean, I'm not saying you're wrong. I, I don't think it demonstrates that compared to say, what if you asked people to commit to a three-year subscription? A three-year subscription is different than a lifetime deal because then what you're saying is people do value, I would rather give you all my money up front and not think about it. And that is the thing that will potentially renew. And now you go to a VC and it's proven that VCs, I don't remember the multiplier, but a business with one-time products is like a three or four times multiplier. A business with a subscription model is like a five to eight multiplier, yeah. I think. So, you know, the idea is it's money in the bank for a VC, but Anyway, right. I, I, just, I, I find it sad in the WordPress world that there's so much opportunity lost with either not understanding what people will pay because they don't test it, they're afraid or something, or that everybody jumps into this app sumo. And listen, Noah is a great guy. I kick his ass at chess years ago. He's fun. I don't think he runs a company anymore. I think his, his friends do. They've built up this subscription model themselves where you pay money to be like app sumo pro. But even their own subscription proves that it's more economical to do a la carte AppSumo than to do a subscription through AppSumo. And, and the reason is because the software vendors get screwed out of their minds when they offer an AppSumo deal on a, you know, to a subscriber. So anyway, um, double in the details. Out of kind of middle road with AppSumo. I think if you I think Yeah, you I just, suspect it depends who jumps on those deals because uh, it, 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 you know, I have certainly bought some of those things and not used them. It's a drug. And it's the a, uh, right. And and there's a lot of other people who will, uh, you know, <laughs> oh, it's such a deal. I have to buy it. it. I might use it sometime and don't. And so those people are not asking for support. You know, yeah. they've, they've forgotten they even own the darn thing. And that's the point. Like, I mean, and that's the same point that like the companies are making, the ones that are using it for more than an MVP and are going then to get additional funding. They're saying like, look at all these people that paid us money that never even activated. Like this is this is what we're expecting. Um, and uh, so we see this exact kind of thing, like we'll expect people will sign up and then they'll let it keep charging. And the VCs knows that, knew this. It could be a ticking time bomb though, because if we look back to, let's say, Wukong, uh, word, um, sorry. The original WooCommerce and so forth, but the uh, Woo, Woo, I had yeah. to think of their name, Woo Themes, when they were called Woo Themes. Yeah, but I took when, it they when, took it to the extreme. When, to really when 80 ran the company, along with his other partners, 
Okay. They did the lifetime deal. Oh, well, I'd like to mention this to and, them views. He's coming on the show yeah, and, in March for interview. Right. And it, it was a classic, you know, it's a great use case if you look back on it because things worked out for them just fine and so forth. But like, it was a classic, uh oh, here comes my foot going into my mouth because we realized, unlike the suggestion you had, which could happen, that it did come back to bite them because they had a huge base of users because the price of lifetime was so low that all of a sudden they had to change the deal on all of us who bought that deal and they really had to deal with a PR nightmare. Now they overcame it, but those kinds of examples are what a lot of young software companies will do when they get enticed by an app sumo because what if it does turn out to be true that you've got 2,500 people who didn't forget about the software. And now they're sending you 40 emails going, hey, bitch, you promised me lifetime support. I own a piece of you. Well, you know, that's, and that's, but that's why you've got a limit. Attitude. That's why you've got a limit how many you sell. Like, I mean, so for Evernote, all the way back in 2008, we sold an AppSumo deal for 500 of these. Um, I mean, it was like $100 or something, like lifetime Evernote deal. We knew it was going to be a loss leader, but we were doing it for advertising, which is what you should yeah. be doing it as. And if people had, people hadn't been, heard of Evernote. So this was like a marketing thing. And mm -hmm. oh my God, we absolutely loved all of these people that were like, whenever they would call it and complain, mm -hmm. like, oh my God, my lifetime AppSumo is like messing up. We would love it and support. We would be like, these guys are awesome. They're the OG people. It's right. so cool. So yeah. anyway. <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good point. If you if you can give them a limited scope, <sighs> it kind of goes back to like with Jack's thing. If you been an, did a lifetime deal and you're at three years in one day, you're still going to love the product. You're going to love the support, but at least there's a, a light at the end of the tunnel versus I, I'll give you just one last example. Um, back in the first web designer, one WD days, we did certain lifetime things and it went from thousands down to hundreds down to, cause we, we shut it off down to like one dude, super nice dude. And he was literally on the email with us every week, expecting us to keep updating this thing for him by himself. And I finally just gave him his money back for five years before to shut him up because I didn't want to be mean. He was right, but I was on the hook, you know, and that was that was where the difficulty can arise for some folks. I mean. Yeah. Oh, dear. You do make me laugh sometimes, Spencer. Oh, dear. Right. Um, yes. Yeah, so if, if you're listening to the audio, you know, you need to come back to whatever minute this is and uh, uh, watch Jonathan cracking up. Um, <laughs> oh, dear. All right, <laughs> you're a bitch. <laughs> All right, on to, on to, uh, I think we need to strap the other stories because I don't want this to become War and Peace. On to the recommendations of the week. Uh, I'm recommending a book, The Riches of the Land. It's, it's about um, how you make people the American dream come true again. You know, it's, a, it's an interesting book. I highly suggest that you're going to have a listen. I listen to it on audio books, so um, get the audio version. So, um, <laughs> Spencer, have you got a recommendation for the listeners and viewers? I do, actually. Uh, it's a blog post from Will Morris. I think we've seen his articles before from Public Plugin Republic, but it is the latest stats on WooCommerce for 2021. Absolutely awesome if you look at the potential there. Like Jeff Bezos... Look, looked at blah, blah, blah in 1996. Anybody who is in the WordPress market, and especially those of us who deal with WooCommerce, 
exciting stuff when you see what's going on with WooCommerce and the penetration and how much opportunity is there. Um, but it really also demonstrates how, I'm not saying they're dropping the ball because clearly they've woken up this year and John Wald, who we all know is doing some stuff and other people in that space with WooCommerce, but compared to Shopify, you know, WooCommerce is, is killing it except Shopify gets all the glory and all the net profit because they've matured what they're doing with it. Whereas WooCommerce is still uh, um, like an open source uh, potluck dinner, you know, randomly bringing things together. And so for me personally, this was one of the most exciting statistical summaries I've ever seen because I, I see gold in these hills, you know, for the future. You yeah, do put your recommendations into chat um payments john do you want to quickly give us a quick before you need to go off oh no i'm yeah and um this recommendation is from a talk that my friend alexis uh gave at uh, a word camp but doesn't seem to be online but <laughs> this is a write-up of that privilege as a developer something that i think we need to focus on and I see Sally's in there. I use that same plugin anyway. Uh -huh. But uh, oh, and I want to give a big shout out to the Amazon workers in Alabama who are voting to unionize this week. I hope you win. That's probably why he left the CEO. The the prospect of actual worker in a union. But he probably coughed. He's on leaving. Did you, did you read uh, this? Um, by the way, if Jeff, not that it's going to happen, but they're talking about the billionaires tax. They said if Jeff Bezos alone had been, let's say, theoretically taxed just for during the pandemic, the, his personal take or profit from the pandemic, that he would have ended up essentially back where he would, the richest man in the world, but that the money from just taxing him a regular nominal tax would pay for everything else for all the $40,000 average, you know, like workers in the United States. And I'm not saying that's going to happen or that's like realistic, but I'm just saying when you look in comparison, like the stacks of sand, there's like the entire population of the normal America is able to be essentially put in a place of good standing this year. If we just took like Jeff Bezos's personal profit from just in the last nine months, something about that just seems wrong. I'm not well, sure. It's even a bigger question, really. That's you, you, you don't, you, it's never mentioned in the media. Yes, except if we've it's, got to rely on the government to distribute it, you know, God help us all. Yeah, um, but he's, he's um, Amazon fulfillment centers have been allowed to keep open with thousands and thousands and thousands of workers all crammed together. Yet a mum a and pop store or some other thing is required to close there's, there's been no, it's obvious to me that um, the argument, I, I do not see Amazon Fulfillment Centre as an essential business, yet there was no kickback to require his well, they get away with very high operation injury, right? to close down, was things. there? No, no, no kickback at all, where any other poor person... Obviously, you've got to keep supermarkets open to some extent because people have to have food to eat. 
that. Why is it classified that Amazon Fulfillment Center in any shape or form is essential? It isn't. But there was. Absolute... I don't know. Amazon seemed to be pretty essential to all of us. Uh, <laughs> well, we but leave the house. there we go. There, maybe that's why there was no kickback for, about him and his operation closing down. There we go. Um, Sally, have you got a recommendation? that you would like to? Uh, yes, I do. It's, it's a plugin called HTTP headers, uh, and it does exactly what it says on the box. It lets you modify the HTTP headers. Ran into a situation with a client where because of a change in Chrome and how it um, uh, defaults uh, uh, mm. for your, your, your origin stuff, um, Students going through their website appropriately were not able to access the collections that, that the university had subscribed to because the, um, eh, eh, you know, the, the header had been stripped down to the root domain. So um, I reading all those instructions in Chrome and in Mozilla and in this and trying this and trying that. And, and it's just like, yeah, well, I'm trying, I'm doing the things they say and it's not changing what that, uh, uh, you know, uh, header type uh, it works out with for the refers source. And so uh, uh, I installed this plugin and uh, basically it says here, you can set the, uh, you know, a referrer policy uh, and, you know, boom, there it was, it worked. You know, the students could get access again. So while uh, there may be some longer term issues regarding security, privacy, Etc., which is why these changes are being made. Uh, in this case, it didn't seem to me like there was any private information, you know, from the students uh, that was going to be transmitted. I suppose one could, you know, argue about that a little, but still, um, you know, it worked. It did the thing the client needed it to do. Uh, so I am very glad of its existence. There we go. Stephen, have you got anything you want to recommend? Oh, you're muted, Stephen. Yes, I do. I am going to recommend a lid for your water bottle. Uh, I'm going to do a demo, so check out the video. But most lids that come off take more than a quarter turn. That is a quarter turn to get a drink of water versus several full turns that most lids require. Doesn't seem like a lot of time, but you do that enough times in a day, and all of a sudden you have hours on your hands by the end of your life. Yes, my, my water bottles have things that snap up. Yes, I, I like the full lid off thing, and there's very few that do it well. And I stumbled across this by Simply Modern. And so well, I don't have a lid, I just have a glass. So there we go. Uh, I'm, I'm old fashioned. Uh, I'm, I have a. Yes, but do you take it in your car? So uh, for those that are listening to this uh, much later, uh, I'm just, this is happening during Black History Month. So uh, I just wanted to uh, give a call out to the uh, legendary miniseries Roots, which is on sale right now on everything that you watch things on. Um, I put a link to the iTunes version, um, but it's uh, $15 for one of the best miniseries of all times. Um, so That's a bargain uh, really, isn't it? Yeah. I, I remember when that came out. That was- Oh yeah, it was right? such a big deal. Cecily yeah. Tyson and- uh, the... Who just died, unfortunately, but- um, oh, this... Uh, who's Jordy LaForge? Uh, I can't remember his name. Yeah, LeVar Burton. It was LeVar like one Burton. of his first things. Oh, I've got to mention, really, I've got to do it. I've got to also give another uh, recommendation. You've got to watch the latest Randy Rainbow 
parody of um, Mrs. Taylor Green. <laughs> oh. It's the most funniest thing on the internet. The man, the man is a genius. Uh, um, put it that way. Um, so, um, Heather, how can people find out more about you and what you're up to? I am Heatheriel everywhere on the interwebs. All right, the whisperer. Uh, um, so, Stephen, how can people find out more about you and what you're up to? Head over to zipfish.io, run a speed test, and see how much faster we can make the website. Yes, and he made the WP Tonic website faster. He's a magician. Uh, um, so, Sally, <laughs> Sally, how can people find out more about you and what you're up to? I'm either at Sally Getch or at WP Fangirl pretty much everywhere. Um, and if you follow me on uh, Instagram, you will see pictures of the cats who, for some reason, did not grace us with their presence. No, day. there are no cats today. Where, what have you been doing with them? Yeah, well, maybe it's because I fed them already. Yeah, uh, it's probably rub yeah, cats all over your head. Yeah. <laughs> so, John, how can people find out more about you and what you're up to? You can find me at my website, which is lockdownseo.com, or go to my YouTube channel. Uh, just search for Lockdown SEO. There we go. And Spencer Forum. How can people find out more about you when you're up to? Usually the police blotter or the missing persons <laughs> list. Otherwise, uh, launchflows.com or uh, go to the homepage of WPFusion.com and click get a free call. That's great. We'll see you next week with another great roundtable show. Opinion, discussion, ideas. What more can you ask for, listeners and viewers? We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the WP Tonic Podcast, the podcast that gives you a dose of WordPress medicine twice a week.